Hi there, I am Ivy and welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. While you are listening to this, I fully expect you to pop in your earbuds and be multitasking. We've got a lot of stuff to do, don't we? We are going to be talking about parenting things, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who have been there. In this episode, I'm talking with Erin. She and her husband have a little girl, and when her daughter was little, like she was still breastfeeding her, she discovered she had breast cancer. So Erin shares honestly what that journey has been like, how God has worked through it, and how we can be people that walk alongside people who are enduring hard things. Like, what are the things that we can do that are helpful? And I think this conversation was so perspective giving and helpful for me. Um, by the way, Erin is a counselor for an elementary school. And prior to that, she was a teacher, an elementary school teacher. That's actually how I know her. One of my really good friends' daughter had her as a teacher, and she just absolutely loved Miss Price. So that's how I met Erin. Um, so she's going to talk a little bit about what it looks like to partner with your child's teacher in a really great way. Um, okay, here's our conversation. Can't wait for you to hear it. So tell me about your journey of finding out that you had cancer. Yeah, so I actually credit um, breastfeeding my daughter, my husband, a teacher named Mrs. B, my sister, and my doctor for collectively finding my cancer. Uh huh. I was fortunate enough to be able to breastfeed my daughter, Nora, for a year. Um, once we began to wean her, I developed a clog, which I didn't think super um, – I didn't think was a big problem because um, I'd had clogs and I'd had mastitis earlier on with breastfeeding. And so um, a couple months later, I noticed the lump was still there and I just kind of assumed it was residual from like This was after you were done breastfeeding. Yep. Okay. Okay. So after breastfeeding her a year and then a a clog, what I thought was a clog, just kind of stuck around. Yeah. Um, My husband was actually the one who insisted over the next several months um, weaning her in July, you know, probably by January, he was like, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't just a leftover clog. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as a school counselor, it was actually my first year as a school counselor and I was called, um, as part of a crisis support team to another neighborhood school in the district. Um, a teacher who had previously had breast cancer was then in remission, had suddenly passed away after giving birth to her son. No way. Yeah. Wait, (laughs) you took over. I respond. I was part of a. um, It's like a crisis team that goes and responds to the campus to help to help the kids and the teachers kind of work through. And it was right after spring break, and um, she'd passed over spring break. Oh my gosh! Uh, She was twenty eight years old. Yeah, and um, she'd you know throughout responding to the school and just being a, a a support that day. We learned that she'd beaten cancer, so she'd yeah. gotten through all of her treatment. Yeah. She'd was in remission, um, became pregnant, and the hormones had reportedly taken over and just exponentially spread throughout her body. And, when she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So, as, so you are, like, hearing this. Oh, yeah. And you're like, wait And a I'm minute. like, I'm 30 years old. Yes. And I – we were – 
hoping to um, grow our family within yeah. months of that point. Yeah. And like, um, you know, we were already, you know, trying to get to like a certain a certain point before we began trying to conceive again. And um, I was like, well, I should probably just like check this lump just in case. Yeah, um, before I get pregnant yeah. and this. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously I was devastated for her, for her family, for oh her friends, gosh. her school family. Um, I was... Uh, lucky enough that my sister actually had a different spring break that year. Uh-huh. So her and her her two boys were down the week after our spring break. Okay. And they were here just hanging out that, yeah. that week when I got called to this crisis. Okay. And I was like, you know, that just kind of – that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Can you go ahead and check this out? She's a nurse, and she actually um, formerly worked with mommy and baby. So she uh-huh. does a lot of help with, like, breastfeeding – new breastfeeding moms. Yeah. Your sister um, does. Yeah. Oh my so gosh. So she, she she checks it out and she's like, well, you know, it's probably nothing. I'd go ahead and make an appointment with your doctor. Yeah. So then I make an appointment with my doctor and like within like a week or week and a half after responding to this campus, um, my doctor, same thing. She was like, you know, we're just going to go ahead and check it out. And she was very proactive and ordered both a mammogram and a sauna. Yeah. Sauna sonogram, yeah. ultrasound, um, just in case. And I remember yeah. her saying, just in case. Yes, yes. And basically within a month after responding to that school's crisis, I had also been diagnosed with stage two invasive ductal carcinoma. Uh-uh. And now we know that the clog that I had previously identified as a clog was instead a tumor. Uh-huh. And honestly, had I not been able to breastfeed my daughter and like stuck with it, and known the changes that were going on right. in my body because of breastfeeding, right. then I'm not really sure how we would have found it. Oh, my gosh. So just all oh the things gosh. working together, too. Yeah. Yeah. And my cancer was, est- or was estrogen receptor positive, um, which I'll talk about a little bit in a second. But basically, similar to this teacher, me never even knowing this teacher, um, it it is very... Um, concerning when you have a cancer that f- fuels off of estrogen. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So had I gotten pregnant, I probably would not be, be here, here today. So be here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Was so. This isn't like a genetic thing. No. It's just. No. Um. I don't have any. Um. Family history. Wow. Um, which, and you're 30 years old, so yeah. there, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have had a mammogram. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. have had a mammogram naturally had my doctor not taken yeah. it seriously. Yeah. I wouldn't have had an, a mammogram for yeah. 10 years because that's the standard. Right. Right. So, so what treatment did you go through? Yeah. So after diagnosis, um, and you it, have a one-year-old, right? At, a th- one. th- she was almost two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it was April, 2019, um, and her birthday's in July. So she was just shy of two years old. Okay. Um, after diagnosis, it became this quick game. You, you become priority, which is weird. <laughs> All of a sudden overnight, you're like this priority case. Yes, and I yes. remember saying to so many people, like, we used to be boring. Like I was like, <laughs> you kind of were like, could we be boring to, again? Yeah. Yes, like yes. months leading up to people would be like, so what's new? And I'm like, nothing. We're totally boring. Like, yeah. We're just, yeah. So, um, but it became a quick, um, uh, game of scheduling all the things I know. and creating my, what would become my cancer care team. Um, I had an initial appointment with my breast specialist who ordered an MRI, um, because the, you know, the, the mammogram and 
ultrasound only shows so much. We needed to get right. a more clear picture right. of my entire chest wall and everything. So she ordered an, an MRI and made it a referral to plastic surgery because yeah. we weren't sure at the time were we considering lumpectomy to maybe hopefully breastfeed a kid later uh-huh. or were we thinking, um, you know, single or double mastectomy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so while we were waiting for the MRI results, I had my first consultation with the plastic surgeon and a medical oncologist, which you learn it's just when you're so, in the thick of it. It's so yeah. much. Within it's, two weeks, I had had – I had like literally already made a cancer binder because I could not keep up with all these people. And I was like, oh, well, here's all the plastic surgery your, information. Your teaching history was coming into – like your teaching Gosh, background. I was yes. like, I got to make a binder. Yeah. I got to – My plastic surgeon actually like teased me for it. He was like, you have a binder. I was like, yes, I do. Please. Please tell me how weird that is. I know how to organize <laughs> yeah. things. And yeah. that's what I need to do it's in this a, moment. It's, yeah. It's like Olaf says, finding control yes. when things feel out of yes. control. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's my buddy. So you made a, you made your binder, yeah, and went made to my binder all these meetings and had all these consultations. And even I remember my husband and I were driving to my MRI, which, mind you, was on Good Friday at like nine p.m. Yeah, like that is yeah, how yeah, like no, I know. priority we I know. became. I know. And um, he was like, "Are we going too fast?" I was like, "No, like there's no other option. Like yeah. we have to find out all the things." And um, we were also ordered um, genetic testing because I don't have a family history. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like you got it at 30, that's not normal, right? And so it come to find out, I do technically have a um, like a broken gene. It's called Check Two, so okay. it's not BRCA, yeah, one or two. It's not one of the more common ones, but uh-huh. it is unfortunately basically one of the genes that aids in like fighting off cancer is broken. So. Yeah. <laughs> so how many people have broken genes going around? You just Who don't knows? know it until you have to know it. Exactly. And so between that and then when we got the MRI results, um, it had actually – we had initially thought it was simply a tumor, um, like an invasive ductal tumor. Yeah. Um, but then on the MRI, it showed that I also had what they call DCIS, which is like stage zero breast cancer. Uh-huh. So I had a stage two tumor – based off of the size. And then I had stage zero all in my left breast. Oh my gosh. And then there was like a glimmer on the right breast. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, so there was just like, we're not sure what it is. they found this because of all the real intense, like. Yeah. So. Scans or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So once it was like, there might be something on your right breast, it became like, well, I'm never going to breastfeed again. Yeah. Like there's no, and I remember, I remember one of our close family friends vividly was like, um, your family needs you more than they need your breasts. (laughs) Yes. And so it was like, all right, so that's, that's that. And we started talking about like, what does that look like and scheduling and, um, and because my my brother was actually getting married um, in June that year, so I was like, I'm not going to do this major surgery. It was like he got married right after school let out. So I was like, okay. I can make it to summer. And so my doctors were were fine with that, but I went on um, Lupron monthly shots uh-huh. to suppress my ovaries okay. because my cancer was estrogen positive. Right. So um, in order to take medicine that would block estrogen from my system, I have to take I can't take the more common one, which is tamoxifen. Right. A lot of people take that. I can't take that from another underlying issue that had never been an issue, but because we know about it, I have a blood clotting disorder. Uh-huh. And so tamoxifen also causes blood uh-huh. clotting. So I will never be a candidate for that drug. So right. I have to take one that is typically only used in postmenopausal women. And so in order to 
take that medicine, I have to suppress my ovaries. So I'm in right now still I'm in like medical menopause. Oh, okay. So they basically forced my body to shut down all like estrogen production. And then I take a daily pill that also, you know, tries to eradicate any other estrogen in my body. So it's- So that also makes you feel weird, I bet. Yeah. I've gone back and forth between um, like a couple of the daily pills because after active treatment, I was having a lot of um, joint pain. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. and so just talking to my doctors and like, I hate, I hate this. I, this is making me miserable. Um, we have kind of gone back and forth between a few. Um, and I've been consistent on one of the three that they typically try. I've been consistent on that one since probably June, 2020. Um, but then later on like December, September, 2020, my doctor went ahead and gave me like a three month hiatus. Uh, she was like, a, she was basically saying, I'm afraid if I don't give you a break, you're not going to come back. <laughs> and I was like, mm, mm, where'd you get well, that from? <laughs> I didn't know that was an option, but yeah. 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 So I yeah. got a three month break. It was yeah. delightful. Yeah. Um, but because of once we did the double mastectomy, we did that in June, 2019, um, there's also what they call a sentinel node biopsy. So uh-huh. they look at your lymph nodes. They do one um, they do like a sentinel node biopsy um, the week, typically the week before a double mastectomy so that they have results back. Right. And yeah. then if they need to take more lymph nodes while they're yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so happens there were some microscopic traces. So they had to in take. The lymph nodes. Yeah. So oh they had gosh. to take. They took a total of 22 lymph nodes between the sentinel node and then the um, the extra one during the big surgery. Um, so my whole left arm is compromised in a sense. I cannot have blood pressure taken on my left arm. I can't typically I can't have blood drawn because uh-huh. I can't um the risk of lymphedema right. any sort of any sort of um like wound or injury on my left arm can create that, yeah. those lymphedema um symptoms and, yeah. and so I have a compression sleeve um I saw an occupational therapist after the big surgery because I had a lot of scar tissue um, built up in especially my armpit. I had very limited range of motion, um, probably for two to three months following yeah. surgery. I couldn't. You couldn't. Yeah. Pick so up. It, pick up your. Yeah. I know not a baby, but still, yeah. you have a two year old. Yeah. yeah. I there were there were a lot of and she was still in like her actual crib at the time, yeah. and there there were a lot of times that I couldn't pick her up. I couldn't put her in her crib. I couldn't take her out of her oh crib. My gosh. There were times that my husband had to make sure that if he was leaving like during nap time or something that someone else would be Could able come. to get her out. Yeah. So, um but yeah, so I had the lymph nodes removed and then after that when they found those microscopic microscopic traces, uh it chemo became less of a maybe and more of a we're doing this because just between my age the stage of the cancer and the biology of the cancer yeah they think from the terms of i was 30 it was 2b because of the size but then also lymph nodes and the fact that my cancer was estrogen positive right and i'm 30 (laughs) like normally my body is so right the chance of recurrence was at a 21 percent, and chemo could bring it down to 14 and so it so just it became a one in five versus a one in six. Oh my essentially. gosh! So, so you did chemo. I did chemo. It was um, not great. 
Um, I <laughs> it was well delightful. I've never, I've never heard anyone say it was great, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh so we don't cry. Um, right. I, I was. How long was it? It was five months. We had a very unique window in between surgery. Like I was still recovering, so they didn't want to put me in an immunocompromised state. Yes. So we had like a little window and we were able to actually do some uh, IVF treatments in that window uh-huh. just because you don't know, you don't know what chemo does to your yeah. body. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I like from the get go, all of my care team has known that having another baby is somewhere mm-hmm. like in mm-hmm. our hopes and yes, plans. Yes, yes. Um, so we did um, fertility. We actually got some funding from the Live Strong Foundation, and mm-hmm. they covered all the medication, oh which was gosh. good. And I mean, and it's not cheap. IVF is not something that I think anyone really ever chooses to go into, no. and it's just not – it's a big financial commitment. Um, we had also done a T-shirt fundraiser earlier on, and that helped. Um, we were able to get so to- they they take your eggs and freeze them mm-hmm. for, so they're frozen somewhere. So we did we actually did a full IVF cycle where they were able to get embryos. Whoa! So we did we um you know we did an egg retrieval. We did um we waited for like the the fertilizing and like kind of watching them over the course of a week, and we ended up with two embryos before we started chemo. So that was kind of like our little like insurance policy before starting chemo. Like, oh my okay, gosh. we're doing I what just, needs to be done. I just like it's a mess. This is a million decisions. Oh gosh, yeah. A million mm-hmm. decisions that like you have have to make. You've got time crunch mm-hmm. on making these things. Mm-hmm. And you're 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, joked for a while that I really enjoyed my 30s for like eight months. Like I really – I was like, this is my decade. Like, I'm I, loving the 30s. Like this is great. This, I was born to be 30. And yeah, so – yeah, it was – it totally – yeah. And, and it feels like – you're like you're like rattling all this off. Oh, yeah. But I'm like thinking about the day-to-day of oh, that. It's horrible. And yeah. it feels like bad news mm-hmm. and bad news and more bad news mm-hmm. and more bad news. Like, I wish I could say it stopped there, <laughs> but yeah, then like a I pandemic mean, happened and all this stuff. Yeah, and- I'm like, and I realize we'll get to the part where God is good. Like, yeah. I, we know that. Mm-hmm. We know that. But really, when you put yourself, okay, let me just put yourself in a day of that. Mm-hmm. More bad news. Mm-hmm. More bad news. And people, in you know, for better or worse, people try to comfort you in mm-hmm. times like this. But at the, I think one of the best things people can do, and we had a lot of people in our corner, but one of the best things people can do is just like, uh, like defer to the person who's going through it. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't, and I'll kind of talk about it in a second. Yeah. But I don't really appreciate, you know, the whole, like, God has a plan and, you know, you got cancer for a reason mm-hmm. and because I'm in the thick of it. And I think that's what, like, you know, unless I'm the one who's saying, like, this is all part of God's plan, which I have then in we a can lot affirm of ways. That. Yes, exactly. I believe that too. But, yeah, like, but it's, not... you know, people are trying to help. They're trying to go through the day-to-day with you in the best way they yes. can. Yes. And so, you know, one of my friends has said in the past couple of years, um, I don't know what it's like to go through cancer. Mm. And I said, and I don't know what it's like to be a friend who watches your friend go mm. through cancer. Like, we're all just navigating the day-to-day as right. best we can. Right. And there is no right answer. But for me, I thrive with like some level of control and structure. Yeah. And so 
get that being binder able, going. Yeah, and being able <laughs> okay. to like share it multiple times. Yes. Like I've probably shared the like this part of the story. I mean, dozens of times. Yeah. So it, yeah, yeah. It helps. It helps make it factual and clinical and helpful. Yeah. And yeah, like yeah, information yeah. seeking yeah. versus all of the other and spaces emotions. that we could yeah. possibly go yeah. and have gone. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. So let's jump back to chemo. Yeah. That was not fun. Yeah. No, it was not. You got, I the, had, you got the embryos. Oh, we got the embryos. Yay. And then I had, um, te- they shorten it by saying AC. Um, it's basically two different drugs, adriamycin and cyclophosphamide. Say uh-huh. those a lot or just say AC. Yeah. Um, those are <laughs> really bad for like your system in general, they're just very harsh. Um, like that. So I had four rounds of that and they were every two weeks and without fail, I would get the chemo on a Wednesday by, you know, I'd feel fine. Um, like upwards until like that night on a Wednesday. And then I was down for the count until midday Friday. And Were then, you working during this? No. So I was able to take some mm-hmm. – I basically took FMLA but intermittent FMLA. Okay. okay. So I took off the days that I was doing treatment and then for these um, first four rounds with the AC regimen, I took off Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Okay. You would just go yeah. in on Tuesday. So every two weeks, I – yeah. So um, – but then I did – so I did four of those and that was over the course of two months – um, spaced out. And then I did 12 rounds of a drug called Taxol, uh-huh. which was a lot less harsh on my system. I had those done on Fridays. Yeah. I don't work a Friday for like, I don't know, half of the year. Uh-huh. I don't remember working a Friday until February. And then the pandemic hit. So yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, was, yeah. It You're was like, the weirdest is, yes. school year ever. But um, I started chemo September 2019, and then I finished it at the end of January 2020, and we were only like six weeks out from all the closures that happened. Um, and the the Taxol, the, the biggest thing with that drug, the one that I did, I did every week for 12 weeks, is um, there's some research out there that shows um, neuropathy is a big concern, uh-huh. like the uh-huh. numbness of your fingers and toes. Yeah. And so the like practice is to put your fingers and toes on ice while the drug is being administered. <laughs> yeah. So Wait, they've, you know, we're, so, we're living in a so weird, it's so weird. So they actually have like these like mittens and like socks uh, now, yeah. but like, why not? imagine yeah. being the person who literally sat there like with their like fingertips yeah, in a yes. cup of ice and who toes, figured that out? And it's freezing. It's yeah. ice, but it's basically the idea is that it it constricts the blood vessels in your extremities so oh. that the drug doesn't go all the way oh. to the like tips of your fingers Got and it. toes. Okay. So I did not have very bad neuropathy, but I sat for an hour every in, week with, with mittens, mittens that did the and socks of warm. <laughs> yes. Your- yes. <laughs> so like, I'm dying yeah. with this my hands. I never want yeah. my hands to be cold again. Yes. Yeah. And it was it was we were really fortunate because we had a lot of people who were able to support us, um, you know, near and far. We had kind of a rotation of people yeah. who took me to chemo. And yes. so yes. we would play cards. I played Uno so much those five months. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, while my hands are on ice, I've got like a support person who 
one switched them so that it stayed cold. Like they'd go grab another set uh-huh, and like uh-huh. return the set I was using. Um, and then just kind of like talk to me and keep me busy yeah. for an hour Yeah, because you can't you, use your hands, you can't text, you can't do yeah. anything <laughs> and it's cold. So yeah. it was good to have distraction and um, support in that way. Yeah. Um, but I finished that at the end of January, 2020 and um, the next, the next, natural course of action would have been radiation. Mm-hmm. Um, I was done, like all caps. I was like, I am done doing this. Um, if you've never known someone who's had a um, double mastectomy uh-huh. who plans on doing reconstruction, yeah. they put in tissue expanders uh-huh. and those are rock hard. They're very uncomfortable. You're have you're getting them filled to a certain point, and so then that create. I mean, you're literally stretching your chest yes. back out. And yes. um, I was so uncomfortable. I was so tired. I was done. So the expanders were in there during the, chemo. the whole chemo. Yeah. Okay. Because they can't. They. I guess it depends on different doctors, but my doctor was very um, specific about not doing straight to implants. To give my body time to heal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, you can't do a surgery. While you're in when chemo. When you're immunocompromised. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. You, ha- you were like, I've got to. Yeah. And it's a typical like three to six month wait time mm-hmm. between like surgeries. Mm-hmm. So even now, if we were to consider doing a revision or anything like that, like yeah. the timing has to be. Right. You know, yeah. can't be three to six months after, you know, any other sort of trauma or whatever. Yeah. Um, I did lose my hair with the AC regimen. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my best friends is a pediatric oncology okay. and hematology nurse. And she was like, listen, you know, day 16, your hair's going to start to fall out. What and did that feel like? It was – they – okay, so they definitely dramatize it in <laughs> movies and TV. Yeah. Um, it was like I couldn't stop shedding. Yeah. And anytime I would run my fingers yeah. through my did hair – Did you sh- end up shaving your head? I did. Yeah. yeah. So my husband and daughter helped of, me. Yeah. yeah. One well, part of it too was because um, I there were times like when my hair – I. It was probably a day that my hair was falling out, but we weren't going to shave it yet or whatever. Yeah. And it was – I could barely even move, like, my head on a pillow or, like – And all Every of time it you would, ran yeah. your hands through my hair, you'd come out with, like, five times the amount of what you would normally shed. Yeah. Which yeah. is normal, but it's, like – like, I not know, a handful, yeah. but it's, like, you know, insane shedding. <sighs> yeah. And I – you know, it was just uncomfortable because yeah. I'm, like, uh, so – Shaving it down to, like, very, very short right. allowed it to, like, you can use, like, a lint roller yeah. to, like, every day just kind of, like, yeah. collect the – Yeah. And that – so we shaved my head. I had some wigs. I tried some wigs on before I lost my hair. I hated all of them. I was in a very, <laughs> oh, like, no. <laughs> I don't like anything. And um, I ended up finding a wig on Amazon that well, I – There we go. That I wore mostly – uh, like probably the entirety of. But they're really uncomfortable, aren't they? Yeah, they're sweaty. They're yeah, itchy. Yeah, like yeah. it's just. It's and not- if you're not going to wear it all the time, which I didn't, I wore like hats and little like turban beanies or whatever at home, or yes. I just didn't wear anything at home. Yes. Um. And so it was. Um. You don't. You don't use like the sticky kind of. Mm-hmm like to pay tape or anything like that because yeah. it's coming off as soon as I'm in the car. Yes, and so yes. it just was always uncomfortable, a little, off, or, a little yeah. off. Yeah. I mean, Amazon wigs are not bad. 
Well, I did actually, you know? I actually did you got know? a pink one for yeah. when I still have it for when I was feeling sassy. Like yes. when we did the race for the cure, I wore my pink wig and it there was you great. It. You know, what did you? How did you explain that to your daughter? Did she? So she helped shave my head. I wanted her to like, and she was only two. Uh I wanted her to at least like see it happening and us to have at least pictures, the three of us doing it so Uh that she could. And we just, yeah, we just said, you know, mommy's hair is short now and the medicine I'm taking is, you know, making my head, you know, making my hair follow yeah it, it i don't so, remember the exact wording well and with her being two it mm-hmm. was yeah she didn't really ask yeah she knew that i wore wigs and then we actually got like matching hats with like a, they oh looked like cute gosh. little turbans so i think she just liked that like yeah you we could match yeah. yeah so that was fun um yeah but it really was just go 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 until i finished treatment in january 2020 and then they just like send you out into the world with like, yeah, you have follow-ups and like I'm I'm on like a specific schedule with each of my doctors. Um, but I don't think people tell you enough or people only know it when they're in the thick of it uh, is that finishing treatment is in a lot of ways worse than the active treatment and like going and doing really? the things because you're just kind of you know, hoping that everything worked. And Mm -hmm. there, I just had my first post-treatment scan. Like I just had my first MRI since the initial one in April, 2019. I just had that last week and finally got the call at like 4 p.m., 3 p.m. on Friday before spring break that I am still cancer-free. That like, that was never a, we never had a scan. We never had anything else. It feels like a long time to- So do you have worries in your brain? Like, oh, all oh the time. I feel I feel weird. Should I do, do, do? like? Yeah, and I mean, I still do my monthly, you know, self breast exams. Um, and I've had to tell a lot of my girlfriends, like, okay, you're doing this monthly, but you pick a day. You pick, you know, the feel it on the first campaign. You know, the whole if you've ever oh. heard, like, pick okay. the first of the month. Yeah, feel it on the first. Um, it does not have to be the first of the month. It can be the fifteenth or the thirtieth. <laughs> it does not matter. But you, you need just it, feel it, it on the first. Sounds it, a little exactly. Yeah. It needs to be the same day every month because. As women, and especially premenopausal women, um, our bodies are constantly changing. So something that you might feel on the 1st of February, by the 1st of March, you're looking to see if you can still feel it or if that was just kind of like a hormonal one-off or whatever. I waited too long. That's my only regret in all of this is that, like, I was 30 and I knew nothing else but Uh to, like, so – by the time we did surgery, I had lymph node involvement. Mm, but if you if, if we had gone at like six months of feeling the clog, it maybe wouldn't have yeah. been. I see what you're saying. And so yeah. you're looking at like three to four months of the same thing that is different for you. And some people have more dense breasts and some people have less dense. Exactly. And, but it's yeah. very much like being in tune with what your body is doing and for how long have yeah. you felt like this yeah. is a little off. Absolutely. I yeah. would say like three to four months max. Yeah. If you're if you're consistently doing your self breast exams and you feel something off, check it again the next month, same thing, same day each month and you know, if it's still there by month 4 of checking, you know, religiously, checking consistently on the same day, then make an appointment with your doctor and just say I've been monitoring this right. and yeah. This is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um if you're lucky, um your doctor is like, yeah, let's order a mammogram, ultrasound. Yeah. But that can also be an insurance game. 
And so, you know, it could have easily gone the other way where I would have had to advocate more for mm-hmm. as a 30 year old getting a mammogram and ultrasound. Golly. But my sure. doctor ordered it and insurance covered <laughs> it. And to a point, I mean, I yeah. still had to pay, um, you know, like the deductible right. out of pocket and yeah. stuff. But um, yeah, so finishing treatment is in a lot of ways worse, um, definitely worse for your mental health and your mm-hmm. your anxiety. I was, yeah. I've already had anxiety uh-huh. um, growing up and I had just started um, after, you know, a year and a half or two years of therapy, I had just started taking an anti-anxiety medication mm-hmm. like daily. Yeah. Um, and then I got diagnosed and I kind of stayed on that dosage because I had all sorts of other drugs right. happening yeah. in my system. And then it wasn't until finishing treatment January 2020, it wasn't until December 2020 that I made it an like a, a priority to go see a psychiatrist yeah. for the medication aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Just with talking to friends and um, noticing some of the um, more like irrational, but also like compulsive irrational thoughts. Mm. Um, and once you've gone through like a big trauma, your, your brain and your, your just body response to anything is right. You're kind of naturally put into like a fight or flight Uh with Uh anything, something as not small, but something as unlikely as my husband and daughter getting in a car Mm -hmm. back. You start thinking about yes. that. You start, yeah, and it's just because you're you've already been you've already been through the worst, and you then will you're like, use oh, ex- it can't be worse. And exactly. Then, like I had this constant fear that like cancer wasn't going to be the worst thing that happened, and it was just it was I had to figure out a way to manage it through therapy and medication. Yeah, and um, but the problem is, even though I learned last Friday. Um, and realized how big of a hill this MRI was and the fact that I am still cancer-free, I didn't realize how much I needed to hear that mm-hmm. um, because you really do live in like this constant fear that your body is going to fail you. Yeah. Like it already did. Like it did. Like yeah. It, like, and I have a gene mutation. So you it's can't just like, trust your body no. to do. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. But it, uh, it's a lot. It is a lot. I'm, I probably forgot. No. Big pieces of it, but my hair is growing back and I finally have like and a little like, really hair flip and like a little half up. Half <laughs> Did your hair grow back the same or does it, is there it's something thicker. different? Thicker. Talk, yeah. They talk about, there we go. Yeah. They talk about chemo curl. Uh, I did not get curly hair. Yeah. And it did not come in blonde. Like I told God it was supposed to. <laughs> I fancy myself a blonde. Always. You're like, like I, I really should be a blonde. Yeah. I was, maybe like, this I could... use the blonde emoji. Like don't even come at me about my blonde emoji because I... <laughs> identify as a blonde. And so when it didn't come back blonde, like I don't have like, I really don't have eyebrows. Like I'm, I just, I have always been the blonde to my brunette best friend and apparently I have brown hair and I don't, I still don't know how to like. weird about that. Yeah. It should have come back blonde. Yeah. I can't come to grips with this. Like (laughs) I identify as a blonde and then I look in the mirror. I'm like, oh, that's brown hair. Wait a minute. Like, that's that like dark so brown funny. hair. So you know, you do seem more like a blonde hair I mean, kind of. Your personality thanks. is making me. <laughs> we should have just told them you had blonde. hair. I have blonde they hair. It know. came back blonde, and it's um, curly. Not <laughs> and <Yes>. yeah, <laughs> they never would have known. <laughs> I know that's true. That's what a podcast is for you. <laughs> um, okay, I I can already see a lot of things, but I want yeah. you to tell me how you feel like God equipped you along the way. Yeah. What about your personality and the mm-hmm. people around you? Are you like, 
God did that. You know? Yeah. I mean, I am a middle child. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I mm-hmm. am very stubborn. Um, uh-huh. And I, um, I've always kind of identified with the word meanwhile. When I was 14, I went to church camp and it was this first time that I really heard this, you know, in um, this word meanwhile as reference to God's plan for us in this waiting space. Yeah. And from that point on, I was like, ah, oh, this is this is my meanwhile, whether it was frustrations with school, um, bad breakups. Um, I had injuries through high school. I was always like called back to that word meanwhile. Interesting. And that like, it's like I haven't quite arrived. Yeah. And, and that it's like, yeah, like, you know, this might be confusing. This might be unknown. But the word meanwhile has always kind of like rooted me back to I know that there's something else coming. Um, but even like even in the last few years, I've really started to realize the word meanwhile is not so much about what's coming next as much as it is um, trusting in what um, what is right now. So trusting that there's something good coming, uh-huh, uh-huh. but trusting that right now there is good happening. It's, that's really good. Yes. So. Like we're not just waiting for the good. Yes, like, but I think I. But yeah. I think that's how my my brain took it and uh-huh. kind of shared it as like a teenager and young adult. I get it. Yeah, like okay, like it's just the meanwhile. Like yeah. I kind of like pass it off like something good's coming. Right. I'm good. Right. It's just my meanwhile. Um, but only in the last couple of years have I realized, and maybe like I touched on before, the not being an active treatment anymore, but somehow still being like a cancer patient and cancer survivor Uh and like all the things that are on hold or I have to do because of, and just understanding that in this space, God is creating a lot of really good things and um, like building me and shaping me into who I'm supposed to be. Yeah. The fact that I was stubborn as a child made me stubborn about not doing radiation. I Uh was like, uh all of this makes sense now. I've always been an open book, for better or worse. Um, I You say it like it is. I say it like it it is. I'm an oversharer. I have no shortage of words. Um, (laughs) But I like the fact that I've been able to share Mm. my journey. And I actually really don't like that word with cancer. (laughs) My My journey, your story, (laughs) your experience. My experience. Yeah. Um, But I can say... Since my diagnosis, I have had um, six or seven women who have also gotten a mammogram. Yes. And two of those seven also had cancer. And so it allowed you're me like, to think about it. like, they maybe wouldn't and, have got it. Oh, yeah. If, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so since finding out we had cancer, I kind of stopped maybe stubbornly subscribing to the whole everything happens for a reason and God gave you this because, you know, X, Y, Z and he's working mm-hmm. through you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want people to know that like in the broken world that we live in, mm-hmm. God is not, God did not give me cancer. Mm-hmm. God is holding me and comforting me and mm-hmm. weeping with me that this mm-hmm. is happening. Mm-hmm. But God is taking those, those that stuff that happens in this world yes. and he's allowing me to find redemption in it and he's allowing me to grow within it and just you know i'm i'm trusting in his meanwhile i'm trusting in the waiting space um and together with god i'm working to redeem a difficult circumstance um and find pockets of joy and faith and comfort knowing that i'm not special in that there is this meanwhile space. Everyone yeah. is going through something, yes. but it's 
how are we using this something or how are we sharing what's going on now to help mm-hmm. someone else or to become a better person? Um, you know, I used to be so mad that I injured myself so many times in high school. I was on drill team. Uh-huh. I missed so many things. And I used to be so mad at like, ugh, like this meanwhile, da, da, da. but it was these smaller meanwhiles that allowed me to be come prepared to where I am now. for this. Yes. Interesting. So, yeah. and yeah, I yeah. mean, there have been times where, you know, I credit being able to breastfeed in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like I was very like, you know, you know, if I can, great. If I can't, that's okay too. Like fed is best. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, but, you know, I had trouble pumping when I went back to work and I like, you know, my friends, they're like, it's okay if you stop. And I was like, I know it's okay if I stop, but also it's not what I'm it's, supposed to do. It's not hard. Like I don't feel like I have to stop. Uh-huh. And like in that, God was preparing me for the fact that I would never do it again. Like I oh, had, you know, yeah. like I had the experience that I didn't know I needed because I was never going to get it yes, again. Yes, I, my um, nephew and godson is 11 now, but he was born at 28 and a half weeks because my sister developed a clot um, and uh-huh. got preeclampsia. Okay. And from my sister having my nephew at 28 and a half weeks, we both found out that we have this blood clotting disorder. Mm-hmm. Because um, when she found out, then y'all all yeah, should get could, tested. Yeah. So yes. then yeah. I also have it. Yeah. From that point, so 11 years ago, from that point, um, I knew that any birth control or any contraceptives could not have estrogen in it because uh-huh. estrogen causes blood clots. Yeah. Well, my cancer was estrogen receptor positive. So if you had taken – So it's like, you know, where along the line – the whole like which came first the chicken or the egg like god knew 11 years ago when liam was born yeah. that i needed to not have estrogen mm-hmm. and that you know just even um just like t- small things like being able to breastfeed my daughter like i said and um my pregnancy was uneventful <laughs> and it was yeah you were boring it, it was, yes, like, boring. It was yeah. so boring but i loved being pregnant with my daughter and we you know documented the whole thing yes. and we just you know at the time it wasn't hard it wasn't like this like you know they always say like firstborn oh you're going to document everything because it's your firstborn yeah. i'm like no literally i like documented everything cuz it may be my only pregnancy like oh. now we know that like yeah. it so it's just yeah. So, yeah. you know, working through a lot of different things. But yeah. um, how how do you think this experience impacts your parenting? <laughs> um, and it's I'm hard, you're lot, not like way into the parenting. I mean, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're but I got a four year old. Yeah. But, like, what? Uh, so my my daughter's teacher actually said at one point, um, it's clear that she's the daughter of the school counselor because she's so very like, <laughs> it's all right, like totally fine. Like, you know, just try again. Like she's I know. Does so she, like, does she have a lot of feeling words? Oh, so many feeling yeah. words. <laughs> <laughs> and she also talks a lot. So yes. definitely got that for me. Comes yeah. about it honest. Yeah. But she, um, you know, she, we said that she was a professional baby from like the get go. Mm. Like yeah. she tried to come on her due date and was like eight hours shy. Like she was, uh-huh. you know, she took to breastfeeding fine. She schedules were okay for her. Like yeah. she was just anything we threw at her, she just kind of took it took and it. figured yeah. it out. She and wasn't a hard baby. Really. No, yeah. she, she was a professional. Like she yeah. made it easy on us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's coming next? Like right. I was like, we're yeah. going to have a tear second born. Yeah. I'm a second born. Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> it was yeah. just like, but, um, and with like parenting specifically, um, I've just learned not to sweat as much of the small stuff. Uh-huh. It, and I hate saying that because like some and as a school counselor, like no one person's stuff is bigger or smaller than right. anyone else's. Right. But you yourself develop 
a certain threshold. Uh-huh. So my threshold <laughs> got a lot right. higher. Right. And I can remember very, it was the weekend after diagnosis. It was Easter weekend. Um, and I go to put my not even two-year-old in this cute little Easter dress that I had gotten for her. We put it on and it's entirely too big. And I know for a fact that a month prior, I would have not freaked out, but it would have been like, let's run to Target really fast. Like, oh, she doesn't have an Easter dress. Easter dress. Like yeah. it was just- That is such a good example. And it, you're like, it, who cares? Yeah. Like, she can wear I literally, she I literally hung it up, back up in the closet, grabbed another one and was like, well, it isn't cancer. Yeah. Not and, important. And it just, it, Yeah. And it's not to say that anyone who would go to Target at the drop of a hat to find a new dress for their daughter is wrong. Right, It's just that for me, that became so very small and – Your barometer for things that mattered got – Yeah. The perspective changed. Yeah. Um, I think that I'm also uh, very intentional with the words that my daughter hears Mm. from me um, in terms of like body image Mm. and – when you do reconstruction, there are a lot of people that get um, – can I say nipple? Like yeah, nipple yeah, yeah. tattoos? Yeah, yeah. Like, yes, yes. So, I mean, that's a body part, everyone. Um, yeah. But they will get it tattooed on their body to kind of cover the scars yep. and to create kind of that sense of normalcy when they look in the mirror. Yeah. And I have – I still have that option. But I – for whatever reason, I was I was and still am very called to my daughter knowing that I have scars. I – like I, she will see my scars. She will know what they are for. Um, I don't need to, um, have nipple reconstruction because they served a purpose. Mm -hmm. I fed her for a year. I sustained a life Mm -hmm. and now I just don't, I don't need it. So I want her to know that while I have gained weight and I don't love where I've been since all the medication and just everything that my body's been through in three years. Um, I want her to know that if, if we're trying on clothes or something, like recently, she doesn't hear from me, oh, I don't like how this looks on me. It's like, I don't like the pockets on this. Mm. Or like, I don't yeah. like, yeah. you know, this pattern. Like, yeah. I try to make it very, like, concrete yep. what I don't like uh-huh. about it as opposed to so easily falling into what we all is it, are guilty of right. with it's not you. that external yeah. image. And losing yeah. my hair was such a huge identity piece. And yeah. that it just, I think, as a parent, but then a parent to a daughter, I want her to know that there are very like surface level things. Uh Uh (laughs) I lost my hair and that sucked. Yeah. But it's hair. And I never would have gotten wigs on Amazon had I not lost my hair. So there's just, you know. Yeah. I think that a lot of the conversations that I have with her are honest and truthful. And we have some books that talk about, you know, a mommy who had breast cancer and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So, um, we just kind of talk about it and answer it. And she knows that, um, I go to the doctor, like I have checkups, um, and we're just very, we're open without like burdening her with like all the facts. Yeah. It's interesting that like, she probably won't remember that. Yeah. That season. Mm Mm-mm. Yeah, you know, I mean, only through pictures or stories or you're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, when and how did people show up for you? And and so this will much. be good for uh, like <laughs> it's exactly yes. the thing like you said of like don't try and talk me out of my sadness right yeah. now. Like don't yeah. try and make this prettier cuz yeah. it's just not pretty. Yeah. Um like, definitely 
Yeah, definitely defer to the person who's going through it. And that goes with any grief. That's really, really That goes with any grief. And unfortunately, in the year that I was diagnosed, three days before my surgery, my best friend's dad also passed away. Uh So we're dealing with my cancer and going into this major surgery. And she just lost her dad. And then, like, right around my diagnosis, my friend's house burned down. And Uh so, like, we're just sitting in this constant state of, like, Trauma. Yes. 2019 was not awesome, but then 2020 hit. So I've just stopped. I've stopped (laughs) blaming years because life apparently. Yeah. Like this is why older people, older generations get jaded or what looks like jaded. No, but um, people showed up in so many ways. Um, One of my close friends from junior high, her mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when we were in junior high. Yeah. And one of the things that she remembered from that time in her life as a kid whose mom was going through it was her mom having like a playlist for when mm-hmm. she went into surgery. Mm-hmm. So yes. my friend made a great, um, you know, playlist for me. Oh. And that's been, that's been great. Um, oh my we had, gosh. Yeah. Will you share that playlist? <laughs> yeah. Is it like Spotify or Apple or something? Yeah. Probably something. all the things. I can find it. Yes. Please yes, share it's, it. It's good. It, um, yeah, that was fun because I have a lot of like memory to like, um, like songs or like, like I can yes, remember being absolutely. in a space when I was listening uh-huh. to that. So, yeah, that's been nice even today to listen to those songs. Um, we had a lot of check ins. Um, I remember people asking pretty early on, like, what can we do for you? And I'm like, mm-hmm. check on my husband. Like, I, oh, yes. I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to need you to be like annoyingly checking in on him and whatever he might need Does for Nora. Does he talk about it? Is he as open as you? No. Quiet. Not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's an engineer. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I have all the feelings for both of us yeah. combined. So you're like, <laughs> check on him. Yeah. And he'll reply with fine. Yes. But at least. And like, no. don't take that as his real answer. Like, I don't know, show up at my house. But I mean, we have really good yeah. friends. I That was another way that I f- felt and feel God working through all of this, that I have always had a big friend group. Uh-huh. I have cultivated yes. friendships. I have worked tirelessly and lots of arguments and drama and junior yes. high. Blah, 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 blah. Yes. But I mean but you have really yeah. solid friends. Yeah. yeah. And I I joke that if if I friend you, I friend you for life. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. you're welcome and I'm sorry. I don't know. Right. Like and so but that I mean it was helpful because I had like school family and friends that would, you know, step up at different times. I had, you know, my best friends that I've known my whole life. Yes. Um, yeah. And so it's just people. And your parents live yeah. close by. Yeah. Right? So both okay. my parents and my um, my in-laws live okay. in Richardson That's still. That's great. Which is great. Um, we had a lot of, you know, prayer, um, like intentional. I was very intentional with like what people could be praying for. We had meal trains. Um, did I, you create like a Facebook group or what did you, how did just an email thing or what uh, did you do? mainly text. I did, I did, um, have like a group me for like surgery days okay. because I was like, if too much put, communication. Yeah. To, yeah. Um, but then like my girlfriends threw a party for me and got me all sorts of like post-surgery things like oh. the zip up camis and like yes. the pillow that w- would help you sleep better. And, um, you have drains after a big surgery. Uh-huh. And so like, you know, the, like, the little belt thing that has the drain pockets. Yeah. And um, we made, it was so cute. We made um, like bracelets at this party and took pictures and, you know, like. Oh my god! Yeah. So it just, we had those little fun moments within. Yes. And um, we did a photo shoot for my birthday that year um, with my, oh my, my best friend's husband is a photographer. 
for like a oh my gosh yeah. I wanted will you can we post those picture that yeah. picture I love that yeah so we did yeah we I mean did what is my sweet idea like yeah, we're gonna take fun. really good pictures right now yeah yeah it was fun we uh, we had cancer shirts from I say that but we had shirts from a fundraiser that we created based off of this whole experience yes, yes. And so um it's fun too because I can see like well, more so like that first year, I would see people that I knew through other people, and I'm like, they're wearing my shirt. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Aaron, yes. It says Aaron is stronger than cancer, and then Aww. yeah. So we had it was and at the party we were mostly all wearing the shirt, and it was just yeah. Um, I've been able to wear it on like cancerversary and you yeah. know surgery days and chemo days, and I have a picture of me in my cancer shirt on the first day of chemo, and a picture of me oh on the last day of chemo. And so it was fun to compare. They got me a bag for all my chemo stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> stuff. Yes. Aaron's chemo stuff. Yeah. Um, there's another word there. <laughs> your, right. Your, inter your yeah. entertainment yeah. bag, right? Yeah. Um, and actually, um, a close friend that we both know, she made um, a, a prayer card, like, book on, mm -hmm. like, a like mm -hmm. a key ring. Yes. Like a binder ring. Yes. Um, but, yeah, we had people take our dog for walks. Like, come and just pick up our dog and walk oh her around our gosh. neighborhood. It was great. And um, my, my my sister, who lives in Iowa, came down a bunch just yeah. to support and get my yeah. kid to daycare yes. and yes. back. Even though she lives in Iowa, she'd make sure to, like, come be here for be different. There. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of really great ways. We did the Susan G. Komen that, um, race that year. And one of my school besties um, kind of organized it. And we had... Probably fifty people oh my that were gosh. just like walking and yes. wearing the shirt and yes, yeah. So it was just fun because um, <sighs> it's not a fun time. It no, is, it's no. So it's, it's, it's like little inner little ways to yeah. intersperse mm -hmm. fun. Yeah, is really helpful. Mm -hmm. I know. Like you don't need a book. Uh, you don't need another cancer book. Yeah. You need something fun. Yeah, you know. Um, what? Favorite? Do you have favorite songs, books, or verses? Yeah. So I would say from that playlist that my friend made, um, How Great Thou, Thou Art mm -hmm. by Shoreline mm -hmm. and Surrounded by Upper Room were yes. really big. Yes. Um, the prayer um, little cards, cards on Binder yeah. Ring were great. Um, and... Honestly, funny enough, I actually watched a ton of TV. Like yeah. whether I was like rewatching yes. stuff yes. or watching it brand new. My husband bought the entire Big Bang Theory series. Uh, this is because exact, apparently they don't subscribe exactly to streaming. And so like we in just the, binge in the chemo rooms the, or in no, the which, just like we like oh, that Big show Big does Bang not doesn't. like stream anywhere. What, Big I feel Bang. Like. What are you thinking? I know. So we own the whole set if anyone needs it. Oh my um gosh. I but love yeah, it. so I'd yeah. watch that. I'd, yeah. Um, verses, uh, not a lot of verses, but I just keep coming back to, like, meanwhile. I keep coming uh -huh. back to, like, all the times in the Bible that people have had to, like, wait. And yes. within that waiting came. God showed up yeah. in the waiting. Yeah. That's really, really good. It's really good. Um, last question. Mm -hmm. we're, we're taking off, like, cancer cat okay. and I want you to put on like you are a counselor in an elementary school cat. yeah um what advice do you have for parents yeah so as a teacher and school counselor um 
my biggest advice is assuming positive intent. And <laughs> like <laughs> this is great. This like is great. we as educators, we intentionally chose this career path. We intentionally mm-hmm. came into this space where we don't get paid a lot. There are very little perks right. to being a I teacher mean, I minus summers, I, quote unquote, yeah. off. I understand and, you get the summers off, but yeah, really it's not that long. Yeah. And really we're just still getting paid for the time that we already did. Like Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I can talk about that for a while. But we all <laughs> No matter how the teacher came into teaching, whether it was alternative certification Mm -hmm. or their bachelor's degree Mm -hmm. or whatever, everyone in education intentionally chose it for some reason. And we chose it because we have a passion for education, children, helping them reach their fullest potential. Right. We – I have – I've shared a lot with people that um, there's really no validity in the phrase just a teacher. You would never say that about mm-hmm. just a doctor. Like, oh, well, they just became a movie mm-hmm. star. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think we need to change the verbiage there because I think with the just a teacher, with that idea, yeah. it is somehow created as this, like, less than career or our hearts aren't fully in it. And that's mm-hmm. not how any educator feels. Mm-hmm. No educator just became a teacher. Yeah. If they yeah. chose teaching over something else, <clears throat> it was for a reason. Like, I went into college with um hoping to major in psychology and do play therapy and yeah and then i get there and i'm like i'm gonna be in school for the rest of my life before i actually do something <laughs> before i actually get and to be so with kids yeah i didn't just choose teaching from that point i reevaluated my priorities and like i wanted to be yeah. with kids i wanted to be helping them i loved school as a right. kid uh, teacher was always you know right. on my radar but it gets, you know, put down a lot with the mm. income and with mm-hmm. just everything, you know, that gets all the narratives that get told about teachers at yeah. any given time. So I intentionally made a choice as a freshman in college to change my degree to education mm-hmm. and yeah. knowing that if I still wanted to pursue a more like counseling or psychology role, I could do that with school counselor. Yeah. School counselor could naturally lead to a licensed professional counselor. Yeah. And, you know, so I I I got in where I could make the biggest impact the soonest. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Um, but I just I want people to understand that there is no just teaching. There is no just a teacher. We all intentionally chose it. We all have the same goal in yeah. mind with all the politics that are around um with all the differing views and the state of the world in general, um, most teachers really just want to be able to show up, teach the kids, yeah. and be an influence, a positive role model, help them reach their their potential, best potential. Yeah. And we're all just doing the best that we can. We're Absolutely. All, we, and teachers are experts in our field. And so mm-hmm. while it may not take a lot of, you know – clocked hours in terms of like a degree and like a, you know, we still do student teaching most of the time, but like it, you know, we don't, we don't go to med school to become a teacher. You know, I think that people think that because it's a four-year degree typically, or those who went alternative certification, I think they think that somehow, like I said before, we're less than, but we are experts in what we do. Right. And so allowing us to be the teachers and Uh allowing us to teach what needs to be taught. And sometimes, a lot of times we don't even necessarily agree with the politics of it, but this is our job and no one, no other field, no other profession, do you have people making decisions that have never actually done the job? 
And huh. that's what's hard. Yeah. Because if yeah. you move up in the medical field, you at least were some sort of MD at some point. Yeah. And, you know, you've, you know, you've moved up. Right. Whereas, you meaning, know, a lot like, of people. Meaning decisions are being made in at the mm-hmm. government level yes. that impact what you get to do. Directly. You have yes. to do. And they they have never, <clears throat> you know, some of them have never even attended public school right. themselves. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's what makes it difficult is that like we might also be exactly where like we, we may be aligned in all the things that are, you know, being asked of us too and, you know, asked of us to teach the kids. But like. We're just doing the best we can. We are yes. we are trying to create a safe space for kids. We are um, we are trying to help you help your kids be successful. Yeah, um, we all have the same goal in mind. Yeah, um, me personally. So, you, so I'm just like translate. So if I feel like something, I'll just take. If I feel like something, I don't like something that's happening at the school. Yeah, to go to the school, but have in mind I believe they their intention is to do the very best for my child. Yes. With go in with that attitude. Yes. Rather than like we are I'm just we trying are partners. To, I'm just trying to like our parents coming in and being like, oh yeah. you are not doing that. Oh like, yeah. So okay. the the amount of backlash, especially recently, there have been a lot of um superintendents that have left. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just a lot, especially with social media, that is not great. Um but there is just there's a lot of things that are being told about you know what the teachers made the kids do or how the teacher phrased x y z or whatever and it's like you know there's a lot of backlash about SEL curriculum yes and, yeah, yeah. and um, you're sitting you're going just, i'm doing the yeah. very i have every intention and like no to care teacher goes child. into the school day thinking how can i mess up this day for the parent like we don't like how we can i make this like, how can i how make can this I make harder this for everyone yeah, no yeah, one yeah. does that and we're all yeah. just like we're trying and to get the the email that is a novel long or to get yeah. the phone call to your administrator before you got a phone call yourself oh. like yeah, give yeah, yes. give benefit of the doubt assume positive intent go to the first source so if your child who your child is what 7 years old if your child right. comes home and says you can my like, teacher blah 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 yeah Assume listen to like, them okay, and then yes, go to absolutely what, yeah. validate what they're saying and then also remember that like children are children and can remember things very differently i remember i was um i was called into question based off of something i had said that a kid went home and told his parents the parents oh. were not happy with me oh no it it actually was one of the more emotional like conversations with the parent that i've ever had because they were calling my character into question oh my and gosh. they were attacking me for something that wasn't said in the way the child communicated it uh-huh. and it was just like I don't like we're we want the same thing. Like we we both right. want right your child to be successful and also accountable. But like right. I to not say that. Yeah, yeah. And like going, you know, going over a teacher's head to another teacher or to the um the principals, it just creates and in, in an already very stressful career environment. and environment. That makes a lot of sense. It creates a lot more stress than typically necessary. Yeah. And and I guess think about Think of think of the teacher. Think of the as we're on the team. They mm-hmm. you want to be on a team with the parent, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like you. That's we, one. Of, that's we one of my biggest teaching team. philosophies is creating that bridge between yeah. home and school. And, yeah, yeah. And I mean, we have specifically in Richardson ISD, we have a very diverse 
student population, family, families coming from all yeah, over. Yeah. Um, our, our schools can differ drastically, but it like in college was when, you know, I heard a professor say, and it stuck with me, every parent loves their child. Oh yeah. Like yep. they may not show it in the way that you would show it. You may not agree with their decisions, but at the end of the day, every parent loves their Absolutely. child. And then I think we need to also think that, you know, as the teachers, like every teacher loves these children. Yeah. And we are doing the best we can. And like we can only really do it if we're doing it together. That's good. But yeah. anytime we're at odds, the kids pick up on the stress. The kids, um, you know, it creates that divide. If a kid is struggling in school by the time they get to high school and they're ready to drop out, like yeah. at what point could the parents and teachers have sat together and like shown the kid yeah. that they're a team? When Aaron said, I want my daughter to know I have scars, she will see my scars. <laughs> if you could have seen me, I don't know if you could tell in the recording, but tears welled up in my eyes. They're kind of there right now. It moves me. I also had a mother who had scars and didn't really try to cover them up. The reality is we all have scars, right? They might be seen on the outside, on our skin, or they might be scars that we carry around with us on the inside. And our natural tendency as people, I think, is to find ways to cover our scars, right? Like there are very expensive creams and surgeries that we'll spend money on to cover our scars. We will take makeup and try to cover up those scars, we don't like to talk about our scars. We intentionally don't want them to be seen. But what if we began seeing our scars as a way to tell and remember our story and the redemption we have found through it? Our children need to see our scars. The scars I saw in my mom reminded me that she was brave. She was bold. She was willing to do hard things. I'm thankful she was vulnerable enough to show me her scars. And can I make a Jesus connection here? Let's think about this. When Jesus rose from the dead, his scars remained. <laughs> think about this. He just rose from the dead. Don't you think he could have removed the scars? Hello? Like, he rose from the dead. He could have made the scars not be there anymore. But he didn't. Why? Well, if you go to the Gospels, his scars told his story. His scars acted as a way for doubters to believe. His scars told the powerful story of what God did. His scars changed lives. And our scars have the power to do the same. So what scars do you have? And how can you use those to share your story? Thank you for listening. I'm going to link the things Erin talked about in the show notes. She mentioned a lot of things like playlists and songs. And, and so I'm going to link those. Oh, I'm so glad y'all are here. Um, I will talk to you guys next time.